I want to talk about something that uh, actually came out of our reading today, but um, uh, yeah, this is the time of year when we celebrate Jesus' arrival on the earth. It was kind of like a star came shooting out and it landed on the earth and, and Jesus came. But there was a real uh, necessity in him uh, coming, and, and uh, I want to look at what that is because it kind of has to do, I believe, with our purpose. And we really have a purpose in, 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 in being a part of the parade. And I think we need to really be praying about uh, how, how much more uh, we can be a part of the community and for the community to experience us. And, but, but it is, it's, it's required, actually. And we'll see this. If Jesus hadn't have come, we couldn't have been saved, but it wasn't just his coming. It wasn't just his sacrifice, but it was what he did in between. And um, it's, it's really the reason why we gather together and even we're here tonight is, is because it's required uh, for there to be a communication of, of life. And so uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your, for your uh, insight into us. You know each one of us so well and and you want to come and you want to guide us along and, and teach us. And Lord, we just draw on that tonight. We ask you to, to help us to, to, to see. Lord, we don't want to just um, hear something. We want to be able to understand it and to be able to live it and to respond to Jesus' request that we don't just be hearers, but we be doers. And so, God, I thank you that every time we're exposed to your word, we get affected by who you are and we get helped. And so help us tonight, Lord, we pray. Help us to see something that will uh, take us along on the path that you have for the plan that you have for us, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. So um, I want to talk about fellowship. Um, you know, I grew up, we, we, had, uh, we had what we called fellowship meetings. And fellowship meetings to me meant uh, eating. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and that's what we kind of have. We, we have them here, don't we? We, have, we had a good time here this last week. And... Uh, and, and, and um, sometimes we can think, well, that's just a, a social side. That's just a side event or something. Um, but there's something taking place when we communicate, when we're, we're actually touching people. And uh, the world would try to get us away from that. Um, uh, Steve's not here tonight. He was talking about how, how there's, there's a whole strategy to, to, in the world to get us separated from each other. And to feel like everything's just virtual, we just do everything, you know, that, that's, we're separated. Um, and that's why it was so necessary for us, we felt like, when, when things were getting shut down, when we're not supposed to be together, that we say, no, we're going to be together. Because something uh, happens in the presence uh, of us. And, and so there'll be two sides to this that I want to see. Is, is there's, an, there's an obligation on our part to participate in it. But then what we're doing when we participate in that becomes so critical too. So let's look at just why did Jesus come? I just got some questions we'll ask and draw some things out of. I've got several scriptures, so I'm already talking as fast as I can, all right? So if you put me on two times speed, it's gonna be like four times speed, okay? All right. John, John 1, 14. So, and the word became flesh. Why did Jesus have to become flesh? Because something doesn't happen until you encounter it in the flesh. Okay, we'll see this. And he dwelt among us. He had to come be among us for his mission to be accomplished. For him to actually be the right sacrifice, he had to become one of us. So he actually identified with us. He fellowshiped with us intentionally. If he hadn't have fellowshiped with us, he couldn't have been uh, represented us on the cross. 
It required that, right? So he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus came and because he became one of us, we got to behold the Father. We didn't behold the Father unless we experienced him, unless he dwelt among us. So what was this? This, this was a, a, an integration of fellowship that was required for us to know the Father. Before that, we were just trying to serve the Father. We're just, David knew him as best as he could through the law, you know, and, and through singing and everything else. But Jesus came to give a face to the Father so that we could actually know him. But, but it required uh, beholding him and appreciating him and being affected by him. So he came to do that. And, and, and so this, this concept of fellowship, I think, is, is something that we can embrace in a greater way, that there's something taking place um, you know, when we have spend time with each other, it's, it's necessary. Um, I just, I was thinking about how I asked Larry to, to use his lift for, for my Jeep. And, uh, um, because I, that I got my, my wife got me a Jeep for my birthday. What was it? Four years ago or something like that. And, um, uh, I came back from my mom's birthday and Hunter picked me up in this Jeep, and it was, it was cool. But that day, I took it out for a drive, and the engine light came on. And so I've been fixing things on it, and I'm enjoying it. You know, it's getting to be, you know, there's a bonding effect going on I, every time I fix something. But it needed a cat, catalytic converter. I think that's what the engine light came on for at that time. It's on again, but, you know. <laughs> but a catalytic converter, that's kind of a deal. That, and I'm, I'm imagining myself cr crawling under that thing and cutting that pipe off and all that kind of stuff. And, and Larry had a, a lift in his, in his garage over there. It's really, you know, one of those really cool ones that, you know, you just put the pods on the corners and, just, and you just walk underneath there and do everything you need to do. I thought, oh, that's such a blessing. Larry's going to do that. And you know what? He didn't just let me use it. He spent the whole day with me. And, you know, that was really special to me. You know, we, we, we worked together on something. And we, we worked together on stuff all the time. But there's something about just having that one-on-one that, -on -one that, that there's, there's a fellowship that's going on that is, that is critical. And um, Jesus came to do that. You know, I was just thinking about, you know, most of the things we have from the, from the Gospels about Jesus, it wasn't his uh, pulpit ministry. Now, he was teaching but it wasn't in a pulpit. It was usually out on the streets with somebody. And he was going and sitting down with Zacchaeus. And he was, <laughs> what was he doing? He was winning hearts. And he was actually, there, there's something that takes place is when you can get, when you can fellowship. So fellowship isn't just socializing. It's not just what happens at the bar, you know, at the, at the saloon necessarily. It's, it's when you're getting on the same page with something and your hearts are being connected with a purpose. Okay? Um, it's kind of like, remember, there was a, what was it? Uh, the Lord of the Rings, all that trilogy thing. One of those was the Fellowship of the Ring, right? They, all, these, all these little tiny people were, uh, they had the same purpose. They were, they were going to take care of that together. And, and so there was a fellowship among them. They were ready to give their own lives for this cause. There was this uh, thing that bound them together was a fellowship. So what is the significance of our fellowship with Christ? And let's look at Philippians uh, 
And man, I saw this a little bit different when it, when, when you just, isn't it cool to just kind of put a, a different word and then you begin to see things differently from different angles. And I, and I saw this passage a little bit different angle with regard to this. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Man, we sang about this, didn't we? To know him, to know the Lord and the fellowship of his sufferings. Man, this is one of those scriptures that's like I just wanted to deny. That's not, that's not a Bible verse. I don't want to fellowship with his, with his sufferings. But let me finish it and then we'll go back. <laughs> Being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So this can be really confusing. It's like something else we have to do to be able to be resurrected. But what's... Let's look at it with regard to suffering. So, so Jesus came to do what? To be a man and to encounter everything that we encounter, right? That's how he fellowshiped with us. He became a man and, and experienced everything we do. So that now he's not coming down like this perfect God that you know can't relate to us. He's us. He's us. What are his sufferings? You know, sometimes when we, when we think of his sufferings, we're just thinking about him getting the cat of nine tails on his back, you know, and, and the crown of thorns and the, and the nails in the hands. You know what? He suffered the whole time he was on the earth. Why? Because every time sin is denied, flesh suffers. So the reason why this becomes necessary is because to experience the power of his resurrection, you have to identify with his denial of sin. Does this make sense? It helps me understand this. So to fellowship with him, you're going to have to get on the same page as he is with regard to sin. Yeah. Right? So when you fellowship with his sufferings, I don't have to get beat up. I don't have to self-flagellate. I don't have to feel bad about myself. I don't have to beat myself up, but I do have to deny my flesh. And every time I do, I'm fellowshipping with him. We're on the same page. The reason why he came to, to identify with me, now I'm identifying with him. Now we're fellowshipping together with the same cause. We're defeating sin. I'm so glad he did it for us, but we have to live it. We have to fellowship with that. Why? And he goes on to say why. He said, somehow I can attain the resurrection from among the dead. Well, what's he saying in that? Did you know that Jesus accomplished so much in the resurrection from the grave? I, it's not about my resurrection now. It's about what he's already done. Now, I want to attain to that, right? Paul said that later on. He said, I, I, I just think everything that I've done is nothing. It's done so that I can attain and I, and I press on so that I can take hold of what has been taken hold of for me. That means he's not there yet. And that's, I think that's reflected in what he's saying now. He said, the resurrection is such a big thing. For me to identify with his resurrection, to fellowship with his resurrection, I have to fellowship with his sufferings. I can't just live like the world and expect to be among him. I can't wear a Kansas City Chiefs get, uh, jersey to the Bronco sidelines and expect to be accepted over there. You know what I mean? You can't look like the world and fellowship with Christ and experience the power of his resurrection. No, there's, there's an attaining to that resurrection that requires me fellowshipping with what he denied. Okay? So, 
what, it, what is necessary for fellowship with the Father and with Jesus. So let's look at 1 John. This is, uh, this is where we were today, I believe. And man, there's such good stuff in here. Um, and again, sometimes when you're looking, when I've read this before, it's kind of can be confusing, like he's shifting gears and stuff. But I don't think so. I think he's, this is something I've noticed this time that we, when we've read through here in these last few epistles. There's a real concern that Paul has, that James has, that Peter has, uh, with people falling away. And, and you know, there's, I think there's a, a dangerous doctrine that we can't fall away because they sure are concerned about it. And I believe that's partly what he's talking about here. He's saying there's a fellowship because how do you get out of fellowship? You start fellowshipping with something else. You start fellowshipping with the world. You, what, what are you doing? You're getting on the same page. And we'll, and we'll see how, how, that, how we get there and how we get, don't go there, right? <laughs> so uh, first on one, uh, first on one, one. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen and heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This kind of sounds like uh, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So we actually, we, we actually experienced him. It, it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just a, a, another person, though. It was, it was the word of God coming to flesh. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, listen, that you also may have fellowship. It's like all of this was done for fellowship. Have you seen this this way before? <laughs> there was a lot of fellowship as the, de as the purpose. So what they're saying here is that, and, and you know, it just came to me while I was reading this, you know, there was a whole bunch of people that saw Jesus, a whole bunch of people that encountered him. In fact, remember what, they went up on the mountain and, and, and uh, <laughs> Peter, James, and John, you know, they, they fell asleep and they got in a deep sleep and they, and, uh, and they wake up to this amazing encounter. The glory of God came down on Jesus. He's transfigured before them and, and all that stuff. And, and, and they, they were beholding something that was really amazing and they did not have a clue what was going on because something else has to take place. There did have to be the resurrection. There did have to be. So they're saying, we actually saw this, but there's something else that needs to take place beyond that. That when it does, it's not just your encounter anymore. It's yours to share. And they're saying, now, because we experienced him the way we did, now it's possible for you to have fellowship with us in a way that's going to be way more significant than just a potluck dinner. It's going to be what we've encountered, you get to encounter now. And this, this becomes a responsibility. Can you see this? This is good. All right, let me. Uh... Now, now, what I saw here too, let, let's see. What did I, what I ask here? What is, the, what is necessary for fellowship with the Father and Jesus? So they're saying we encountered God so that you could encounter us. But when you encounter us, you're not just encountering us. You're actually fellowshipping with the Father. It, right? Is that, isn't that what they said? They said, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that. That means it's with this purpose in mind, right? 
um, that you also may have fellowship with us. Now, again, the may there is such a big thing. There's an opportunity now for, for our relationship to not just be a, a, a human relationship, but you're going to get to encounter God, right? That you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father. Now, what I want us to see in this is there's a real responsibility. Jesus took it on, first of all. He came to earth so that we could have fellowship with the Father. And now they're saying, we encountered the Father through Jesus. So now you get to encounter him through us. You see that? All right, let me keep going here. So what is it that makes our joy full then? This becomes a very important uh, responsibility then, right? We're supposed to be, remember there's a scripture that says uh, there's, there's vessels of honor and then there's vessels that are not of honor, that, that, that can't be used for these things. To be a vessel of honor that's going to actually be a, com- a communicator of the fellowship with the Father, it requires that fellowshipping with his sufferings. It goes together. Can you see this? And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, this is really an odd statement right in the middle of this, I think. Does anybody else think the same thing? Have you ever noticed that? And I write this that your joy may be full. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Huh. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Huh. Isn't this interesting? All of a sudden, fellowship comes up again. He said, we encountered God so that you could have fellowship with us. And when you have fellowship with us, you have fellowship with the Father. But then he says, and I say all this so that your joy may be full. Well, how does your joy get full? (laughs) What can we do? Our fellowship with the Father causes a light to come on inside of us that cares for those things that would disqualify us. Isn't that good? But here's what happens in the light. And so this is what I I, I see as a responsibility for. It's a humility thing. I don't get my own little light. I don't get to walk around with my own little light shining on me, you know. As soon as I step into the light, I step in there with somebody else that God requires for me to fellowship with. Can you see this? But if we walk in the light, what is, what is the first thing that happens? We have fellowship with one another. Huh. And in that process, this is actually part of the process for holiness. How many have, have heard a lot of sermons on holiness? You got to quit this. You got to quit that. You got to... You, you better take control of yourself or else there's a lot of condemnation on the other side of the lack of your holiness. No, what is the main reason for holiness? And it's, it's fellowshipping with God. He says, you can't fellowship with God if you're walking in darkness. You're just a liar, right? Why? Because God has something he's doing. You know, again, I, th- I think it's kind of like a football team. You can tell when... When somebody's not on the same page, 
that, that, that quarterback throws the ball and nobody's there. It's like, huh, they're not a very good fellowship team. <laughs> They're, they're, not, they're not together. They're, they're not on this, they, they're not, they don't have the same goal. You can't get on, you can't get with a God. I mean, he has plans. He has purposes for our life. I mean, they're detailed plans that, that, that are for good, that are our, our very best. And, but, but he says, you know what? I can't impart those to you and you can't fulfill your purpose in my life if your fellowship is with the Kansas City Chiefs. I like that example. And I like that they've lost a couple games lately. All right. Because they haven't been fellowshipping very well. I, viva la, no fellowship, child, uh, Chiefs. <laughs> let that be, let that be. All right. But if we walk, so here's where the joy comes from, is... We walk in that light, and there's a way to have a fellowship. It's not just us and God. You know, you can get, actually get, you can get really weird, and you can get really flaky if, if you're just trying to have your own thing with God, because that's not where you get free from sin either. That's pride. That's saying, I can do this on my own. And God says, no, you walk with me. And you'll get in fellowship with others. And it's in that fellowship with others that, that you're cleansed, right? Isn't that what it says? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's almost like, hey, let's take a shower together. <laughs> well, we come together. We begin to magnify the, the Lord together. We magnify the work of the blood of Jesus together. We get on the same page. We start, you know what? You, it's, it's really hard to maintain a relationship with somebody that doesn't know the Lord. I'm not talking about just a, a friend relationship. I mean a, a bonded one. You know what I mean? Now, you, it, Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. He, 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 but, but he wasn't bond. He didn't disciple them. I mean, he, he would have if they would have come to him, right? Who he poured himself into was those that fellowshiped with him. And once you fellowship with somebody, you're going to do what they do. You're going to like what they like, right? Okay, let me keep going. So how can there be joy uh, from awareness of sin? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's where the joy comes from, right? That we can be free from this stuff. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Huh. He's talking to Christians, isn't he? He said there's, there's always going to be a need for fellowship. There's always going to be, and there, there needs to be this desperation that, that I cannot just be on my own. I cannot just make this on my own. It's not just me and God. I need these relationships. I need fellowship. It's in that that there, the, the, the light comes on. What does the light do? It, it exposes the darkness, right? When we humble ourselves before each other, before the Lord, right? Okay. So sometimes when we're thinking about what sin is, it's not just the deep, dark thing. Sometimes it's just not doing what we know to do. 
So I like what James says here in James 4, 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That means you don't have to be killing somebody. You don't have to be watching stuff you shouldn't watch. You should, it's not like you're cussing or consuming something. It's failing to do what God says to do. You know, what Jesus said, he said, you know, if, if you don't obey me, you don't love me. You don't fellowship with me. It requires that, right? So, uh, this, this fellowship opportunity, is a, he says, I'm writing this so that you'll be joyful. It shouldn't be something that causes you to be down. It presents an opportunity, right? So, the ongoing effect of fellowship. Let's look at, at 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. I thank my God always concerning you. For the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I saw this as a description of the effect of fellowship. Right? This is what happens to somebody. This is the intent. All of these things, that you come short in, in no gift. You're eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord. This is what we should be. Somebody knows me. This is, this is how they're going to be affected by that, right? Because that's how I'm being affected in the presence of God. I like this. Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we've, we've seen this in these scriptures we've been reading lately. It's not very long before we're going to be face to face with him. And they refer to him as a judge. He's going to judge what we've been doing. He doesn't take it lightly that, that we have this opportunity to fellowship with him, to get on the same page with him, to be free from sin, to be free from, you know what sin is? It's a weight. It's a weight that keeps you from doing what, what, what your purpose is, accomplishing a kingdom purpose. I, I, I love this because this, this takes all the, all the, the, uh, the weight of it, the, you know, it's not my, my responsibility to, to get rid of it. It's my responsibility to, to run to the presence of the one that, that I will fellowship with. Right. The best way to become a Broncos fan is to hunt, hang around Hunter. <laughs> you know, this applies to anything. Uh, uh, I'm not a soccer fan. But we had a men's thing the other night, and I'm sitting at the table, and of course Hunter gets into all kinds of different sports, so it's kind of fun with him anyway. But so we were sitting with Ali though at the at the table, and um, man, he is into soccer, and you know we didn't have a really long conversation, but there was some fellowship going on about soccer that kind of changed my whole perspective on soccer. You start finding out, you know, the different leagues and, and how, you know, there's some kind of a series going on on Netflix or, or Prime or something about, 
And I, and I thought, man, I would never watch that. That just seems silly to me. They started describing it to me about how they're, they're manipulating things to try to get this team, and you can go up in the ranks and all this. And you know what? I kind of got interested a little bit. Why? Because I was listening to somebody that was really interested, especially Ali. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's really into it. <laughs> You know, and they know all these different teams and they can tell you all the different players. Are you into it too? Not, not too much? Okay, that's all, that's all right. But man, so what happens when you get around somebody, what they love, what, it's gonna come out of them. You can't get around a God that is holy and pure and, and not be affected by how he looks at stuff. You know? So how do you get free from stuff that he doesn't like you don't feel bad about it and stay away from him. In fact, he, he, he saw that as being such a bad idea that he sent Jesus to be with us. Jesus came to be with us in our nastiness. In fact, sometimes, you know, uh, man, I've experienced this myself because my, my, my father and my family, we've had such a high appreciation for holiness and sometimes I've felt like, boy, if I, because I wasn't always holy, but I know that's a surprise to everybody. <laughs> But I felt, like, I felt like, and this is a natural thing, like you got to stay away because you don't, you can't fellowship with him. He's not going to like you. You're going to feel bad. You know, he's going he's gonna to tell Brother Hagin and he's going to announce it before the crowds. <laughs> but no, no, he, he corrects our sin. He corrects our, our faults. Not by separating himself from us, by, but by welcoming us into his presence. Isn't this good? And he said, just come walk in, in the light with me. And those things, you, you already want to be free from them. They're already, a, a, you detest them, that you hate it. And no longer let that be something that keeps you from me. Let your joy be full. It's fixed with fellowship. Right? Okay. So does how does partaking determine fellowship though? Let's just look at this a little bit more because it, it is important who we're hanging out with. There is a necessity, you know. <laughs> man, Proverbs gets into this big time, doesn't it? Said who, who you're sitting down with is gonna affect who you are. Isn't there some some things, some terms that you are uh the result of the, what is it, the highest five people in your life or something like that. Um, um, I know Buddy's probably has a bunch of phrases like that. What's that? Yeah. Uh, but you cannot rise above those that you're fellowshipping with. Uh, or you can't, you can't get up. And, and you see this with kids big time. Success breeds success. So you... Yeah. Now this happens with actual... And I know Buddy does this. He, he, he mentors and he's a mentor, right? You do that intentionally. So he actually puts stuff on his calendar. This is what this is going to happen. And I was thinking, he was telling me that we went fishing, and he was telling me about that. And I'm thinking, because he, 
he's switching jobs and he was just saying he, he, he was still mentoring somebody. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what would happen if he didn't mentor them? What difference does it make? And, and I was just kind of thinking in my own, in my own mind, you know, there's, there's, there's accountability that takes place when you are talking with somebody about a change that needs to take place. That you're not going to make that change unless you have that fellowship. You're, that fellowship is saying, this change is, needs to take place. Now, this is going to happen in so many different ways, but it requires that interaction. And you, you can't get that with an with a AI. <laughs> you, you get that with a person. And, and so you, you have to have that, right? So it becomes very important. Though, th- th- this, this fellowship, it can, be, it can be, you know, you can listen to somebody on teaching and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's great, all the stuff that we have available. But I just want us to, to recognize, too, that there's a side of us that is in an entertainment side. That what we don't realize is happening is we're actually being influenced by people that don't know God very easily. I mean, this can happen, and we, we, have, a, we have a natural appetite for, for, to be informed. So we have cable news that provides that. And I'm not preaching against things in particular. I'm just saying we have to be careful. That what we're, we're actually partaking of a fellowship with something, especially if we agree, we get on the same page and we start to get moved a little bit emotionally with that, right? We're, we're, we're getting affected by that, right? So, so here's kind of an example that's, very, that's kind of similar that I, I, I believe he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So he's saying, we're, we're actually in this communion experience that we're have, we have, we're actually intentionally fellowshipping with the, our Redeemer, right? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. We all partake of that one bread. So what's happening when we're partaking of that together? That's why we do it together, because it gets us all on the same page. We're not just fellowshipping with Jesus one-on-one. It's just, it's not mano-a-mano or whatever. It's... It's us together. Together. That's why he said, let's do this together, right? He said, when, when I take that bread, it's the same bread that everybody else has taken. It's causing us to all be on the same page, right? Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what it is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I, don't, I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. What's he saying? And how can we relate to that? I mean, they, they actually had actual food that was, you know, sacrificed to other gods. And, and so it was, it was something that they, they said, um, you know, Jesus came and he freed us from any kind of bless anything. So there's a freedom that's regard. Uh, that, that that we have, that we can eat anything, but is it is it a good thing to do? And he said that thing has been offered. Its intent was for idols. It was for demons. And there's a part of you that's accepting 
what its intent was when you partake of it. Can you see that? And, and I don't know if he's getting into the, into the, the law side of this, but I, I, he's getting into the heart side of it. Because <laughs> he goes on and he says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So there's, 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 a, there's an experience in God that should be gratifying. We should be, we should be able to, to not get tired of, of just his, his presence. Now, I know it's, it's not a Steven Spielberg movie, you know, and it's not, it's not, the, you know, it's not surrounding you with sound. And, and there's one that we've gone to where the chair shakes, you know, and it blows on you and, and water comes on you and everything. I mean, it's a full encounter, you know, with the movie. And I don't think God's necessarily against us enjoying some of the things. But what are we, what is our heart getting connected to in fellowship? Because if we're not careful, especially some of our entertainment, if we're being entertained by it, our perspective is being altered a little bit also. And, our, and it can become a fellowship for us. And he's saying, you cannot attain the fellowship that is your potential and what the blood of Jesus already provided if you're partaking of that. Can you see that? I think this has to do with some of the things that we, uh, you know, could partake of substance-wise. This can be food, but I believe it can also can be like things we drink or, you know. If, it's all, if it becomes something that's our heart, if, if we say, I, I, I can't let go of that. We're having fellowship with that thing in a way that God says, can I not be your source? I think this is partly why we need to fast once in a while. We just say, hello, you don't get anything right now. God gets everything. Because I'm just going to let you know that you're not my God. I'm fellowshipping with God. In fact, we're going to have a fast starting on the 7th of next year or so. Get ready for that. But All right. Are, are y'all good? All right. It's just got a little bit more. In a... In a yoke is an established fellowship. So, so you can partake of things, and, and sometimes a lot of things we encounter are subconscious. We don't even realize what they're hap happening. You know, I was talking with Stephen's really getting into some some food things. I don't know. If, I don't know if he might happen to be watching or not. But but a, a lot of the things that that will hurt us, we don't even know it that we're eating. You know, and you need some revelation of that sometimes. Um, but how do you get revelation of it? You start finding out what you should eat. And then it reveals what you can let go of, right? And a lot of those things, man, some of the stuff that tastes the best is, is killing you, right? And I think that's the way it is in the world, too. A lot of things that, man, they're funny. Man, there's some comedians that are just funny. But they are foul-mouthed, and the whole purpose of it is for you to see things in the world as not as filthy and dirty as they really are, but just funny. Oh, but it was funny. No, you were fellowshipping with that. Can you see that? And, and, and again, this is, not, this is not condemnation, but this is opportunity. What do we want to do? Fellowship is about everything. Jesus came to have fellowship with us, but he's not going to hang out with us in the same place we're hanging out with 
darkness. You can't do both. So, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship? Huh, man, this fellowship word gets used and used, doesn't it? Has righteousness with lawlessness. And what communion has light with darkness? So that's kind of a reference to what we just looked at, doesn't it? This communion thing. And you can't partake of the Lord's communion with a, with a pure heart, with a good attitude and motive when, when your whole intent is to partake of some other things that you're holding on to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and what is, what is uh, being yoked? I think we have to be careful who we, we are. Um, you know, in business, we, there, there's business opportunities where we can be hooked up with somebody. But, but when you're actually getting your heart connected for a purpose... You have to be careful who you're doing that with, yeah. right? Okay. You know, a lot of times we, we talk about this with marriage. It, it is a big thing with marriage. Yeah. You know, and in fact, I had somebody want me to marry him and recently, and it's like, you know, I just don't do that. I just don't marry people just to marry people um, because I want to find out where they're at. Do they know the Lord? Are they really doing this before God or not? Uh, because if, if you're not on the same page, in your relationship with God, it's, it's, it's not good for the one that is. It's not right. It's, it's, you can't continue to fellowship with God and not have some issues that are going to be majorly. You're going to have some real, it's like I was trying to, uh, I was trying to shampoo this carpet in here the other day and I got in here and I, I bought one on, you know, Marketplace or something and worked for a few times, but um, I pulled it out to use it and, um, the vacuum motor started sparking, making a big noise and sparking. And I think, well, <laughs> that's not working anymore. And, you know, you get unequally yoked with an unbeliever. It might seem like it's, it might do the carpet a few times, but at some point it's going to spark because it's just not right. Is that right? Okay. That's kind of a good example, I guess. The time window on the influence of light. So I think we just need to take this to heart that we don't have all that much time for this. And I think that's one of the big deceptions with partaking of things that aren't. For fellowshipping with the world is we think we have enough time. We can, I'll just go, we just read that. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yay. Okay, so I'll just partake a little bit. Then I can just go back and get everything fixed and it's going to be okay. No, there's time involved here. Because not only have we been forgiven or we have the opportunity to forgive, uh, be forgiven, but somebody's encounter with God is dependent on my legitimate encounter with him. Does that make sense? Let me read this. Ephesians 5.11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, I don't believe this is something we're supposed to call. Ah, Larry, you better. I think this is, I think it's exposing them for us, right? It's, it's not a matter of becoming a um, darkness police, um, but we need to let them be exposed for what they are and not hidden, right? 
Um, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. What does that say? It says, when you get in the light, they're going to be exposed. So when he says, don't, don't uh, participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, what is he basically saying? Get in the light. Get in the presence of God. That will expose things so that you're not eating something that you shouldn't eat and you don't know it. No, you'll know it because you've been in the presence of God. You're not treating somebody. You're not, you're not um, consuming something. You're not partaking of something. You're not enjoying something. No, he, he, you get in the presence of God and your heart will convict you because you've been in the presence of God. See, this is the biggest challenge I think we have today in this world is, is we don't, it's, it's not as culturally, when I was growing up, we would have meetings that would last into the night. We'd spend a lot of time in the presence of God to where, man, you just, your heart's going to convict you. You're not going to, you're not going to partake of something, right? I think that's what he's saying. It will be manifest. That means it will be revealed for what it is when you get in the light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you do what? Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Man, I, 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 again, when you have somebody pass in your life, you realize how, how quickly your own life is going. And um, one of the biggest things, we don't, we don't know if we have tomorrow. I mean... It's getting to be Jesus is coming. And he considers it a big thing that he's allowed us to fellowship with him. Not so that we can just, you know, it's that one scripture said that we can, we can cause him to be jealous of us. We're hanging out. That would be like, well, I don't want to go into that too much, but if I hung out with another woman, you know, I mean, what would that do to this relationship? Especially if I'd have just, I'd just been embracing her, you know. <laughs> but I think that's what God, he says, I don't, I don't like that. You were just in church telling me how wonderful I was. And now you're out embracing my enemy, you know. And, and the best way to know who his enemy is is to go to a Broncos game. No, um, <laughs> then you'll never want to be a Chiefs fan. No, the best way is, is to be in his presence and actually nurture that. And that's what, that's what I, I speak over us as a body, that this is where we're going to, that we're actually loving the presence of God. Every time we come together, we're, we're, we're encountering the glory of God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And, and we're being conditioned to where... Um, and this is why we can have great joy. Even though we know that we have sin. We don't deny sin. But we know that God's going to show us. It's going to be revealed in his presence. And it, and it won't be a, we're not going to be yoked to it anymore. It's not going to be something that, that we can't help but do. Amen? 